Hey, if you got your Bibles, you can open your Bible up uh, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Uh, You should have your Bible by now. We've been telling you it's been like three or four weeks to bring your Bible. David? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to call you out in front of everyone before I did. Uh, John chapter 10. Turn to John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, I think we got two of them or something. But um, John chapter 10 tonight, we're going to be talking about doors. Doors. So when I think of doors, uh, I think about, you guys ever think about like uh, uh, your front door at home? You guys ever spend a lot of time like contemplating your front door? Yeah, AJ does. Uh, Not really, but here's the thing. Uh, Our front door is really only like a piece of wood, right? Uh, But the front door gives us like all this safety and we feel like comforted and secure in our house with this like piece of wood holding uh, this entrance into our house. Think about it. If you would, you ever leave your front door wide open all night long? No, never. Right? Never. Because then you would like invite anyone else to come into your house. Right? You wouldn't feel safe. You wouldn't feel secure. You'd, it'd be pretty scary. Right? You would never leave your front door open. Okay. Uh, I didn't really learn the importance of uh, closing doors until um, I lived with uh, roommates um, and. Uh, um, when, I grew, when I was growing up, I never closed my door. In fact, when I was a kid, I didn't really like to close my door because I was kind of scared, um, truthfully. I, I, like, was scared of closing my door. It made me more scared for some reason. I don't know. Like, I wanted to, like, be able to just, like, straight shoot to, like, out the door if someone, I don't know, if someone was, I didn't really think that through. But, <clears throat> but uh, I didn't really learn that, uh, that it was important to close my door until I had roommates because my roommates would... Uh, they had to learn some boundaries, um, still do, some of them, um, and, uh, and they, uh, they had to learn how to uh, not come into my room at 11 o'clock at night and try to have a conversation with me when I'm half asleep, um, and I had to learn that I need to close my door so that that doesn't happen. Some of them, that still didn't prevent them from doing that, but, uh, but I, uh, I had to learn to close my door if I wanted to sleep because they would bring people over and then they'd be loud all night long, or they'd play video games until like one in the morning and they'd have it up like super loud. So doors are super, super important, right? Uh, when I had a Jeep, I drove a Jeep. Anyone drive a Jeep in here? No? No one? I used to drive, I used to drive a Jeep and uh, I, I miss it a lot, but I used to drive a Jeep and in the summer I would take my doors off and people freaked out about this. Like, they, like, would anyone drive a Jeep without the doors? Yeah, yeah. Would I, is anyone scared of driving the Jeep without the doors? Yeah, really? You're not going to fall out. Like, you have to try to fall out of the car. To, like, you have to be stupid to fall out of the Jeep. I'm serious. You just have to be dumb. So, uh, no, so I would drive without the doors on, but there was one thing that made me a little bit scared. Uh, when I was pulling up to an intersection... Uh, Josh and I would talk about this all the time. Some of you guys know Josh. He's one of my good friends. And we used to both have Jeeps. And we would talk about it all the time, how we would carry like a hammer or a bat or like a giant knife or something like in between uh, the seat. Because like if you have no door, then if you're at an intersection, we used to go to school in like a really sketchy neighborhood. So if you're at an intersection, like anyone could walk up. I don't really know what we expected them to do. Like, just take, like, take, pull me out of the car, like Grand Theft Auto style or something, right? I don't know. But if I had a hammer, like, I could just grab the hammer and start beating them or something. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. But the door that wasn't there, I made me feel like I wasn't safe 
or secure, right? I didn't have this piece of metal covering me, and I didn't feel safe and secure because um, I didn't have the door. So doors are pretty interesting, right? Doors can keep us in or they can keep things out, right? Doors keep undesired things out, and they keep desired things in and safe. And so tonight we're going to look at a passage, John 10, I had you turn there, where Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus calls himself a door. And there's two things I want us to hear from this passage. Two things that I want us, want us to see in this passage is that one, that Jesus, it, Jesus is doing two things, okay? One, he's making a bold declaration. I want you to write this on top of your notes. He's making a bold declaration, okay? A bold declaration. He's declaring something that's bold, that's like, that's like, like could get him killed, okay? The second thing is a gracious invitation. Write these two things on, your, on the top of your outline, a bold declaration and a gracious invitation. He's inviting us into his grace when he says, I am the door. So a bold declaration and a gracious invitation. Write those two things at the top so that as we read, as we talk tonight, those are the two things that I want you to see. And as we read, I want you to see if you can catch on to these two things, all right? So, John chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles, turn there. John chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 through 10 together, all right? You can keep verse 9 up there, but we're going to read all 10, all right? So, verse 1, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Anyone confused at what Jesus is saying also? Probably, okay, we can admit it. We, we can be confused at what Jesus is saying. And so he says this in verse 7, he explains it. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus starts off and he talks about these sheep and he talks about doors and he talks about thieves and he talks about robbers and, he, and there's all this crazy stuff that he's talking about. And there's so much in there that we could talk about that we're going to spend another, in a couple weeks, we're going to spend another part of this passage talking about Jesus being the good shepherd, and we're going to hit some of that again. But I, what I want us to focus on tonight is when Jesus says, I am the door. Now, Jesus is talking to specific people who would know what he's talking about. These people would know what it means to be a shepherd. They would know uh, what, what sheep were like. They would understand what a shepherd would do, okay? Most of us in here, we probably don't understand that, Right? We probably don't really understand what it means to be a shepherd. We probably don't really understand how people, and if, even if we do take care of sheep, even if we're in, I don't know, uh, FFA, or if, we, if we've taken care of sheep, is it FFA, Megan? Okay. I, I almost said FCA, but I know that's not it. You know what I'm talking about. Okay? Yeah, different. 
Uh, if we, even if we do take care of sheep, we don't know what it means to be a shepherd back then. So what I think we need to do is I think we need to go back and think about what it meant to be a shepherd back then. First of all, we need to understand sheep. The first thing I want to tell you about sheep, they're stupid, okay? They're stupid. They're not sm- Megan, am I right? Yeah, they're, they're not smart, okay? Sheep are stupid. In fact, sheep, sheep can spend their whole entire day like grazing in a field, going through a whole field with their head down, not looking up once, and then they can easily get lost, okay? They can easily get lost. So they need a leader. They need a good shepherd to, to uh, follow. Sheep are followers, okay? Sheep are followers. And so, in fact, what, uh, I was reading this article about how sheep, if, if, uh, if the lead sheep in the pack goes off and wanders off and falls off a cliff, the rest of them will follow it. Not even joking. The rest of them will fall. This is how stupid sheep are. They're followers. They're so dependent on their shepherd. They're so dependent on someone leading them, okay? Now think about this. Who is Jesus saying is the sheep? Us. Us. Are you a little offended right now? Does that hurt your pride a little bit? Good. It should, right? Jesus is saying, listen, listen. Maybe Jesus isn't calling you stupid. Maybe he is. I don't know. What he's saying is, and we need to be dependent on a shepherd. We are dependent on someone to follow. And so a, sh- a sheep rely on a shepherd, on a good shepherd. They're completely dependent, all right? Now, Jesus talks about this idea of a door, okay? This is how this would work. Back then, the, uh, they would be grazing in a field. They'd, they'd be wandering in a field. The shepherd would be leading them and following them. And then at night, if they were in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a the field, they would make this makeshift pen, Okay? They'd make this makeshift pen out of rocks and sticks and whatever they had, mud, whatever, right? Let's, so let's say this. Let's say, like, Megan, you're kind of messing it up. It's okay. You can stay there. Let's say that this whole, uh, I'm just kidding, Megan, picking on you. All right, this whole thing right here is our sheep pen, all right? And this is the entrance. Just pretend like this is closed off. Sheep can't get out right here, all right? So we're pretending, okay? In case you haven't noticed, it's been like a couple of months that I've been with you guys. I like to pretend, okay? All right, so this is the sheep pen, okay? You guys got a picture in your mind? This is our sheep pen. Here's what they would do. The shepherd would lead them. They'd, they'd, they'd push them into the sheep pen. And then at night, in order to protect them and to keep them safe, the shepherd, the only way, there was only one entrance and one exit into the sheep pen. And back then, they didn't have, like, real wooden doors or, 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 or uh, like, metal doors to, right? We have, like, gates and stuff uh, today. Back then, they didn't have that. Remember, they're in the middle of nowhere. And so they'd build this makeshift pen, and the, and the shepherd would literally, again, just pretend Megan's not there. This is our entrance, all right? The shepherd would literally lay down. Okay, I'm not going to lay down, but I'm going to sit here for a second, okay? The shepherd would literally lay down in front of the entrance, because if they are laying down, nothing can get in and nothing can get out unless it's going through the shepherd, right? Nothing can get in and nothing can get out unless it's going the shepherd. I think about it like this. When, when uh, a, a few months ago, we did this fifth and sixth grade event, and uh, we, we, they spe- they, we spent the night here at church, and it was really fun, whatever. Uh, I uh, had the job of sleeping in front of the door, okay? It was the worst job in the world, because all night long, literally, I was being kicked as people were walking out of the door, and then walking back in, they'd kick my feet, and then they'd, they'd wake me up and say, hey, are, are you okay? Like, why are you sleeping in front of the door? Like, so that you don't get, like, taken or hurt or something, right? Like, so that you're okay. 
So I was sleeping in front of, you get the point, right? Nothing can come in and nothing can go out unless the shepherd knows. The shepherd would be the door. And this is the picture that Jesus is painting for these people. The shepherd would literally lay down in front of the entrance. So he's calling us his sheep. He's saying, man, if you want to find rest, if you want to find safety and security, man, just like that door to our house, just like that door to our car or our house or that thing that we're protecting, man, Jesus says, I am that. And I'm laying here. Come and come in with me because I will protect you and I will keep you safe. And he's saying life is only found in him. If you want to find safety and you find rest, and come to him. So when we think about doors tonight, I want you to think about like things and people, okay? Jesus is the door, okay? And we're going to think about different doors, okay? Because there's a lot of doors that we can go through. You can write that in. There's a lot of doors that we can go through. There's a lot of options that we have, okay? If, if, this, is our, if this is our sheet pen up here, this is where Jesus is making this. Remember the bold declaration I told you? This is that bold declaration that Jesus is saying, I am the door, I'm the only way in, and I'm the only way that you can stay safe, okay? This is that bold declaration. Now, Jesus is saying that up here, okay? So let's pretend Jesus is up here, he's in the sheep pen. Now, we're out here, okay? You can follow me if you want, I don't care. But we're out here, and we're wandering around like sheep. We're wandering around trying to find a place, trying to find a place to go. And as we wander, there's different doors and there's different directions that we can choose, And Jesus is calling us here and saying, listen, I will give you rest. But there's different directions and places that we can go. Different doors that we can go through. There's different doors that we choose to go through. There's only one that brings life. But, and we're wandering and we're looking for a door. Some of those doors lead to death. Some of those doors lead to death. You can write that in. Some of those doors lead to death. Man, when Jesus is, is making this bold, bold declaration, when he's saying this about himself, he's talking to some specific people. He's talking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Okay, these were people who thought that, man, I'm just going to follow the rules as close as I can, and I'm just going to make sure that I'm like, like on the line, like I'm not going to cross this line, and then I'll be good. Then I can be with God. This is what they thought. They thought, I just need to follow these rules and do these certain things, and then I can be with God. And Jesus is telling them, no, that's wrong. He's saying, look, the only way is through me. He's saying that to them and to the other people listening, he's saying, listen, don't listen to them. Don't listen to their legalism, their, their, their way, their, the way that they think is right. The only way to safety, the only way to heaven, the only way to God is through me, Jesus. They were focused on being good. They were focused on being good and they lost sight of being godly. They were too focused on what it looked like to be good, on, on the rules and the regulations and how to do that. They were worried about image. See, they thought that they could f- climb over the fence. They thought that they could climb over the fence and be with God. They thought that they could go around this whole idea of Jesus, that they could do it themselves. Jesus is saying, nope, you can't. This leads only to death. In John 10, 
we read it already, but it says this, 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 it says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so he's saying, listen, if you follow these Pharisees, the thieves are the Pharisees. If you follow these people, if you follow these people and you choose to say, I'm going to do all these, these rules and these regulations so that I can get to heaven, so I can get to safety, so I can find salvation. If you follow the, this way, it only leads to death. It doesn't lead to life. Now today, today we don't really have like, we don't really think of like modern day Pharisees, right? There might be certain people that you know, but we don't really have these kind of people. But let me tell you what some of these things are, okay? Some of the, the, the modern day Pharisees are takers. They're takers. They're thieves. They're robbers. They take, they take, and they take. They're selfish. And this can be people and it can be things. It can be people that do this, that just want to take from us. It can be relationships. Or it can be things like addiction. It can be things like shame and anger and guilt. So it can be people or it can be things. The modern-day Pharisees are takers. Here's what I mean. Jesus says this. He says, the thief comes to steal, and then he says, kill and destroy. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that he says, this, says it in this order. Because if you think about a thief, when a thief walks into a home to take something, right? When they walk into a home and they break into a house to take something, their objective is to steal, right? Would we all agree? Their objective is to, is to steal something. But then if someone's in that house and they're going to stop them and they really want that thing that they're going to steal, they're going to go at whatever it takes to get that thing. And so they might end up killing and destroying. They might end up doing those next two things. And this is what the takers do. Their intention is to steal and then they kill and destroy. There are takers in our world. Our world is full of takers. Our culture is full of takers. Our culture feeds us this mindset of, I need to take, take, take. And Jesus is the only one that's declaring, no, I want to give. I want to give. I want to give you life. This morning I read this story, and it's kind of a crazy story, okay? It's about David, uh, King David's son, sons and daughter, and one of his sons' name is Amnon. Can you guys say Amnon? Amnon, okay, weird, weird name. But Amnon uh, decides that he loves his sister. I told you, it was a weird story, okay? It gets weirder, don't worry. Okay, he decides that he loves his sister. And so he decides that, that I love my sister so much, just like the world tells us, man, if you love her, go after her. If you love him, go after them. Go and take it, right? The world tells us, feeds us these lies, and so Amnon decides, I'm going to go take what I want. And so he comes up with this plan to have his sister come in, and he says he's sick, and then he takes her, and he sleeps with her. He basically rapes her. And then the Bible says that he gets angry. It doesn't say why he gets angry, but I can make a pretty good guess that when he finally got what he thought he wanted... It wasn't fulfilling. When he finally took what he thought he wanted, it wasn't fulfilling, and so he got angry. And so he sends her away, okay? He sends her away, and this is super shameful in this culture. I mean, it would be shameful in, in, in any culture, right? Weird. 
But this is even more like, to, like times a thousand. Okay, and so the story doesn't stop. It gets even crazier. Okay, uh, so uh, she goes away. Her name's Tamar. She goes away and she lives with her other brother, Absalom. And Absalom, Absalom ends up uh, uh, coming up with this plan because he gets so angry at his other brother, Amnon. And so he gets angry and he, and he ends up wanting to take something for himself. And he wants to take revenge because of what Amnon did to his sister. And so he decides he's going to come up with this plan. It takes him two years to do it. Two years he waits, and he comes up with this perfect plan. And he comes up with this plan to take his brothers and, and, and go to this different place, this distant place. And then Absalom kills his brother Amnon, and he takes revenge. He takes what he wanted. And then this whole thing of, of, of David and, and everyone grieving, Absalom runs away. The story doesn't stop. In fact, Absalom comes back, and he, and, he, and he tears apart David's kingdom. He divides David's kingdom. His own father, he divides his kingdom. And Absalom ends up fighting with his own father, and David has to run away. Absalom wants to kill his father, and so David has to sneak out and run away. And it all becomes this giant mess, all because they wanted to take. Now, if we go back to the original story of where this started, before Amnon, before Absalom, this started with David. It started with another taker, a story that you probably might have heard before. David saw something he wanted, a woman named Bathsheba. And he saw her, and he said, I want that. And so he took her. And then it becomes that he murders her husband and, that, and, and all this crazy stuff. And then it becomes that one after another after another. Do you see what I'm saying? This, this, this idea of a taker only leads to death and destruction. So we need to define and figure out, man, what in our life, what do we have in our lives that are takers? Is it a relationship? Can I tell you this right now? If you're in a relationship where that person is only wanting something from you, taking something from you that is not healthy, if it's a relationship or an addiction or shame or guilt, man, it's all taking from you. That is the only objective, and it only leads to death. Our world says, man, you deserve it. Go get it. Our world says, man, if you love them, go get them. Our world says, set your heart on something and go take it. Our world says, you can go get your own salvation. You can earn your way in. And Jesus says, no, the only way through me. There's only one door, only one door into life, and it's Jesus. Only one leads to life. That's your next villain. Only one door leads to life. John 10.10, 10, the second part of John 10.10 10 says this, I came, Jesus is talking, he says, I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the only way to life. The only way life. If you look back at the passage that we just read, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be, what does it say? What does it say? If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. This word saved is a, is a word that we use a lot in church. It's the word salvation. You guys ever heard the word salvation before? The word salvation. It's saved. We are saved in him. 
When we think of the word salvation, we think of, probably most of us think of like heaven and going to heaven, being, sal- being saved and going to heaven, spending eternity with God. And so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, heaven is not this far off, distant place. Heaven isn't even, the, the, remember the pen that we described, the, pen, the, the sheep pen that Jesus was, was talking about? Heaven isn't in that sheep pen. Heaven is in Jesus and through Jesus. If we want to be with God, we have to be with Jesus. Heaven is found in God's presence. Heaven is found in proximity to Jesus. Heaven is found in proximity to the shepherd, to the good shepherd, to the only shepherd. You guys ever heard of proximity sensors? Anyone? Anyone know what that is? I know proximity is a big word. Proximity basically just means like getting close to something, okay? Proximity sensors, we have these things in our cars, uh, right? When we back up, you guys know like the backup camera, when you get close to something, it like beeps. I hate those things. Hate them with a passion, okay? Some of you are going to end up uh, growing up and not knowing how to drive because you can't drive without a backup camera. Stupid, okay? No, here's the thing. Uh, Proximity sensors are in our cars. Did you know that they're actually in our phones too? When you, when you call and you put your, uh, your phone to your ear and it goes black, did you know that? It, when you, and it goes black, like w- when you're on the phone, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah? That's, that's, what, that's a proximity sensor. Well, it's the same thing, right? Proximity sensor. Here's the thing. It senses that something is close. It senses that your ear is close. It senses that you're about to run into something. There's cars that literally now, like if you're about to swerve and hit something, it'll tell you that you're about to, right? You know what I'm talking about? A proximity sensor, being close to something. Jesus is saying, if you want to experience heaven, your proximity sensor better be beeping 24-7 that you are in proximity to me. If you want to experience heaven, come through me. Remember that bold declaration I was talking about? This is it. This is it. Jesus is saying, listen, heaven is experienced through me. This is what got Jesus killed. This is what got Jesus killed. Because people didn't believe that. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to experience God, if you want to be with God, come through me. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door to these three things. Write these three things down. Security, comfort, and confidence. Security, comfort, and confidence. He keeps us safe from harm. He keeps things out. Unsafe things. The wolves. Jesus defeated death. He defeated our death, our shame, our guilt. He defeated our addiction. He won the battle already. Jesus keeps us safe. We have comfort in him. We have comfort in him. Last week, my little brother stayed with me at at our house, okay? And my little brother is like scared of everything. It's ridiculous, okay? But he, uh, but he could not sleep anywhere unless I was with him, okay? So he slept, he's, he's 10 years old, but he slept in my bed with me, which is really annoying because he likes to sleep like diet, like across just like this, okay? And it's really annoying, but, but he couldn't sleep anywhere because he wanted the comfort of knowing that someone else was there. This is what Jesus is saying. There's comfort and security and safety when you're near me. And we have confidence in him. When we walk through him, we have confidence. We know where we're going. When our eyes are on eternity, 
We know where we're going. We don't have to be insecure. We don't have to be afraid of what people think. We have confidence in him. We have confidence to walk every day in him. We don't have to be afraid. Man, when we follow Jesus, we have these three things. Okay, let me tell you what I'm not saying. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that when we follow Jesus, that everything is going to be okay. I'm not saying that when we follow Jesus, that we're never going to face anything hard. Because this is not true. The Bible, in fact, promises us that we will. I think about it like this. If we go back to the idea of us being sheep and Jesus being our shepherd. Okay? Us being sheep and Jesus being our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd and, and he walks us out of the pen. And as we're walking, he's walking us through this, this pasture and this land. And we might walk on the side of a hill. And it might be hard. We might have to walk uphill. We might have to walk on some rocks where it's uneven and hard and difficult. We might have to cross a stream that's rushing really fast. But we know and we can have the confidence that when we do, we are being led by a perfect Savior. We are being led by someone who has walked those things before. Listen, the, the, the grief, the pain, the hurt, the injustice, the things that you are facing, Jesus has walked that before. And we can have confidence and security and peace and rest in him even while we walk through these things because of who he is. When Jesus is leading us, we have confidence, we have security and comfort in him. We know that we can count on him. And we have a different confidence because of who Jesus is. This is his gracious invitation. His gracious invitation to come and to follow him. To come and be with him. To come and be near him. Come and spend time with him. This is his invitation. Jesus invites us to enter into life. Salvation is found when we're with him. Safety is found in and only in him. We're going to end by reading uh, this passage from Psalms. Book of Psalms. It's Psalm 23. And the interesting thing about this psalm is it, it, is it, it almost promises, like I said, that we're going to face difficult times. That life is going to be hard. But it says we can trust and count on the shepherd that we have. So Psalm 23, we're going to read it. We're going to come back to it in a couple weeks. But we're going to read it, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to small group. All right, let me read this to you. Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We can replace that word want with take. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not take. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, thank you. 
Thank you for this bold declaration of who you are. And thank you for your gracious invitation to follow you. Jesus, I pray that, man, whatever we're facing, whatever we're walking through, man, that we would choose to walk through you, walk through your door. Thank you, Jesus, that you invite us into your grace and into your mercy, that we can find security and confidence and comfort in who you are. And I pray that you'd help us to make that declaration tonight, to accept that invitation and to follow you. We love you, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen.